While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Tonight, I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. That was Senate Chair of Ways and Means, Mike Rodericks. Good guy. Good guy and a great interview. And the podcast on that will be up shortly. But for now, we're joined by Republican candidate for state auditor, um, Anthony Amori. Hey, Anthony, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. So, um, you know... uh, You've been on. You've been on with us. Uh, you've been on with us a couple times. I think people know who you are. But if you want to reintroduce yourself to the audience and tell us why you're running for a state auditor, sure. Well, thanks. My name's Anthony Amore. I live in Winchester, and I'm uh, running uh, for state auditor because I truly believe in accountability in government. I want to be the chief accountability officer, and I want to help root out waste, fraud, and abuse at the Uh, state government level. I have three decades worth of experience of uh, uh, investigating and and conducting audits and inspections and assessments and leading large teams. And I really uh, am interested in bringing my skill set to service to the people of Massachusetts. So we're speaking with um, Republican candidate for state auditor, uh, Anthony Amore. So um, Charlie Baker has put all of his uh, political weight in terms of statewide candidates only behind you and actually uh, doubled down on that, uh, doing that earlier today. So um, why has Charlie Baker decided to just endorse you in this race? Well, first, let me say I'm really uh, honored and gratified to hear that I'm a great admirer of the governor's. I think it's because he knows that we share same vision uh, for for government. We both believe that government should be hard on problems and and soft on people, and that uh, good government, corruption-free government, with the only interest uh, being the taxpayer, being the resident of Massachusetts, not partisan political gains, um, being what drives both of us. I think he uh, agrees. I I was with him in Springfield recently at the Big E, and he said that he's supporting me because he knows I have the experience to do this job. And I can do it well, and um, I agree with him. And I, I believe that he really earnestly feels that I'm the best qualified person um, for the auditor's office. So we're speaking with Anthony Mori, the Republican candidate for auditor. So um, you have a, a large purview should you be elected to office. One of the, the things I don't think a lot of people at home realize this is in addition to government agencies, you also have oversight and auditing of nonprofits, which are using taxpayer dollars because obviously it's nonprofits. Um, I remember under Joe Danucci, he wrote some pretty scathing reviews of where nonprofits were spending their monies. I can remember Victoria's Secrets specifically. There was a nonprofit buying things at Victoria's Secrets, 
It was a nonprofit for disabled children, so it was a little out of stretch. Now, it turns out that they were just gifts for staff, so it wasn't as inappropriate as it first appeared. But my point being is that's how granular and detailed the audit was. Um, I haven't seen any audits like that in the, in the last couple of years coming out of the current auditor's office of nonprofits. Most nonprofits do a good job, but obviously oversight is good. What's your thought process? Well, you know, I, I see where you're coming from. I would say that when I look at the auditor's office and the purview, which you, which you uh, correctly stated, is pretty wide. Um, I'm seeing that the auditor's office right now and for the past number of years is having trouble meeting its simple mandate of auditing all of the state's 209 agencies. So my initial thought is we have to make sure that the state agencies, first and foremost, are all audited. Um, the current state auditor says uh, she's getting to about 70% of them. That's just not enough. You know, it means 30% of government's going unaudited, and we don't know where the tax dollars are going. They might be, they might be okay, but I doubt it. I think that it's important that we find out, number one, what's going wrong in that office, number two, fix it, and number three, audit those unaudited agencies. This is so vitally important. And then the other duties that... Um, the auditor is uh, is able to do. Those can have some focus on them, but our first priority must be our state agencies. So, um, let's be with Anthony Mori, the, the candidate for audit, auditor. <clears throat> so, come November, it appears that we will have, with one possible exception, yourself, an all-Democrat uh, government, right? The legislature, the senator, uh, both our senators, U.S. senators, plus our governor, our lieutenant governor, our attorney general. The only check on all of that is possibly you, Anthony, as a Republican in the auditor's position, which has a, a lot of power to, as you point out, audit other state agencies and to keep people honest. Is that your goal? It certainly is. I'm really uh, grateful that you made this point because it's completely accurate. And I will say this, though... Um, my race is our best chance to have some checks and balances in government because it's looking like it will probably be an all-Democrat government on Beacon Hill. There's no better office to have checks and balances in than the auditor's office. That's the purpose of that office. So if you are going to have a check on uh, one-party rule, the best place for it to be is in the auditor's office because that's the that's the whole uh, raison de trage. I mean, it is the reason that we have an auditor's office is to make sure there are checks and balances on government. So I welcome that challenge. I hope I have the opportunity to uh, exercise that important role. But when it comes to just just to follow up on that, on oh, sorry, Marcia, just to follow up on that is other than auditing and looking at the numbers, you really don't have any policy positions anyway it's not like you're going to be voting on gun control or funding of this facility or that facility or abortion or or a driver's license for illegal aliens you really are just about the dollars and cents is that correct you're about the dollars and cents and you're about the um uh, performance okay um as well but i would say that you're entirely right and this is not a job uh for a candidate to lay out a legislative agenda um, which I think, you know, I, I've read my opponent's policy positions on her website, and, and frankly, they read like a legislator because she is a legislator. She's had an honorable career for 13 years in the legislature, but that's not what the auditor does. The auditor is an impartial, independent arbiter. It's the 
accountability officer for the people, looking with an unbiased and objective eye on performance of state agencies and determining if they are acting in the best interest of the taxpayer and in accordance with the law. And that's what the role is. It's not about any one candidate's agenda or ideology. It's purely about um, uh, being an objective observer and reporter of, uh, of the findings uh, made during audits. So we're speaking with uh, Republican candidate for auditor, uh, Anthony Amore. So um, so you, you spoke about your opponent and um, her experience on Beacon Hill. Can you highlight some of the differences between you and your opponent? Certainly. Yeah, I think that the differences are stark. I think my opponent, um, again, has had an honorable career on Beacon Hill, but it's all legislative. And when I, I think about her candidacy, I wonder... Why auditor? I don't understand it. Nothing in her background or her her career at all points to a skill set necessary for an auditor. She's never done an audit or an investigation or any sort of work even close to that. And the second part of being auditor is running this big organization with um, uh, nearly 300 employees in the office. I've done this for a very long time with very large teams. So while I respect her career, on Beacon Hill, I wonder why would this person seek the auditor's office when she's never expressed any interest in it? I mean, I have the qualifications in every, I check every box for this job and I've done it for three decades. And I think that if voters take an earnest and honest look at our backgrounds, they'll see that I'm their opportunity to have someone who can do the job on day one and not have to uh, go through an on-the-job training process that could take God knows how long. So we're speaking with uh, candidate for auditor Anthony Amore. So one of your one of your um, uh, key issues here on your uh, on your on your campaign website is you want to audit the unaudited, which includes the Cannabis Control Commission. Uh, you know, we recently we just actually had Mike Rodericks on, and he talked. We talked about uh, some of the um, some of the the inefficiencies in, in marijuana policy. You want to audit unemployment insurance and you want to audit uh, nursing homes. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. I think uh, one of the more interesting things is um, unemployment insurance. You know, we have the um, poorest uh, um, performance in terms of our unemployment um, fund. When you see that we have uh, the biggest, highest, most generous benefits, but the lowest um, solvency of our fund. It's not a surprise. I mean, if you essentially in anything, if you're giving away more than you're taking in, you're going to have problems. And we have to make sure that the unemployment fund is solvent. Um, we owe it to the people of Massachusetts to do so. In terms of nursing homes, um, and I, I'm really interested in end of life issues and issues that the elderly face. I'm really very much interested in making sure that people age. Um, with dignity, that they live in uh, facilities that treat them with dignity. And I think that we have to take a real strong look at how uh, taxpayer money floats over to uh, companies that run nursing homes and um, see it as strictly for-profit without, without centering their work on the individual human being. And I, I'm very concerned about our elder community becoming um data on a spreadsheet rather than remembering these are individual human beings with families and people that love them that we owe our, our best efforts towards. So that's why I'm really interested 
in nursing homes. So uh, we're speaking with uh, candidate for auditor Anthony Mori. Another thing, I think we talked about this when you were on with me when I had when I still had my Saturday show. But you were talking about uh, auditing um, the cost of college uh, because, I mean, frankly, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole conversation around um, you know debt relief because of you know the one point some odd trillion that's being held in student debt. Uh, you have an opportunity uh, to audit the entire state system. Um, what do you, um, how do you expect to uh, help students um, save uh, on their tuition costs with these audits? Well, you know, I think you, you make it an important, you, you refer to an important point that everyone, regardless of party or ideology, agrees that the cost of higher education is too high and it's too much of a burden on our young people. I have uh, two um, daughters who are both pursuing a master's degrees now. My younger daughter, is at UMass Amherst and has been for the last three years. Uh, she's graduating early. But she uh, walks me around campus, and I see new construction constantly. I see um, all kinds of projects going on on campus. And I think UMass is great. Um, but I also know that UMass's um, attendance has been dwindling every year since 2014. Meanwhile, tuition went up this year 2.5%. And I wonder why. I wonder why we need to be spending so much money on these projects. I wonder why when you build a, um, you know, per parking spot, if you build a parking lot for UMass Boston, it costs exponentially more than it does if you, for the construction, uh, than it does. Say, oh, that's right. I remember I got really mad because I got my car towed twice at Bridgewater State. <laughs> we talked about that. I got, I got really mad about that, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, well, where did those dollars go, Marcus? Where did the dollars go? <laughs> Find out, Anthony. Right. <laughs> so we're speaking with Anthony Mori, who's the Republican candidate for uh, for uh, and Charlie Baker's candidate for state auditor. So um, people listening to this may say, "I recognize this guy. I recognize his name, not just because he's been on with Marcus and Chris before, but I recognize him." People probably recognize your name from the very famous Stuart Gardner uh, museum theft. Explain a little bit about your role in that and what, what the ongoing role you have. Well, thanks for mentioning that. Let me make it clear. I had no role in the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be running for this job if you did. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Good disguise, you know, Anthony. Right. Right. <laughs> I have a role in the investigation into the theft. You know, it's an interesting thing when you think about looking for stolen art uh, vis-a-vis uh, investigations, even, at, uh, even as they concern the auditor's office, because I've been doing investigations for a very long time. The one I'm doing at the Gardner Museum is unique because when you're looking for stolen paintings, it's really a two-step investigation. There's part one, which is fact-finding investigation, exactly like you would do for the auditor's office. You're, you're seeking out evidence, following facts, and see where the truth brings you. But part two of what I do in my day job looking for stolen paintings is, okay, once you've, uh, uh, you can get all the facts you want, you can gather all the facts in the world, but you're not done until the paintings are in your hands. So that's an entirely different sort of investigation. And paintings are not like fugitives. Fugitives have to leave their homes. They have to go to the doctor or go to the store and get food and medicine. Paintings, when you hide them, they sit there. Right. And they don't move, and they need nothing. They just need me to come and find them. So I found a heck of a lot of paintings during my career, um, just not the garden ones yet. But we've... I work alongside the FBI and uh, state state police um, to some extent, the U.S. Attorney's Office, 
and um, they would give you the best testimony about my investigative skills. Um, uh, I've worked with them. They know how, how, how strong my skills are in this field, and, and they um, would agree I'd be a great auditor. So we're speaking with a Republican candidate for auditor, uh, Anthony Morris, Chris put it, Charlie Baker's candidate for auditor. So you also had some experience in the rebuilding of airport security, um, which I always thought was really interesting. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it's one of the it's uh, one of the great honors of my career to have worked in that. You know, the for many of us, um, I think, you, including you two guys, we're all different ages, but nine um, eleven was probably the the formative event of sure. my life, and. Um, I was just uh, talking to a friend of mine tonight. We're at this restaurant that the walls were covered with video screens. And I remembered on 9-11, I was in a sports bar like that, watching the aircraft strike the towers on hundreds of screens around around the room. It's just a, you know, a seminal event in a person's life. And um, I was, uh, for years, I was a, uh, a federal agent working in aviation security. And after 9-11, I was asked to help lead the team that rebuilt security. It's amazing to think that on September 11th, this terrorist attack occurred, and by the end of November, the um, United States Congress had had passed a law to completely revamp the way security is done at airports. And to think a law was passed that quickly is pretty amazing. And um, so, as people might remember, Logan Airport, like every other airport in America, was federalized. And that meant, uh, for me, that meant 1,200 brand new employees entering the government and reporting to me and um it gave me a, a lot of experience in initiation by fire uh, leading a huge team in a critical mission um and we did it and we did well and, and uh, a couple of years into our our attempts to rebuild security time magazine said we were probably the most secure airport in the country and i, I want to point out to you guys after we after i did that i took over the compliance and enforcement branch which is auditing straightforward auditing and investigation. And um, when we did this, we were regulating Massport in the state police and the agencies at the airport. And we, we did it with constructive engagement. We didn't go and finger point and say, you're doing bad, let's tell the press. We said, we found a problem, let's fix it together. And that's the approach I think I can bring to the auditor's office. And I know that's the best way to go about delivering excellent government or the taxpayer. But sometimes you'll call Marcus and I and tell the press, right? <laughs> well, you know, more than sometimes, guys, I think I mentioned to you last time, if I'm elected auditor, one of the things I'm committed to doing is going on shows exactly like yours around the state regularly and reporting on what I'm finding because I want to circumvent traditional media. I want to reach out to people. I don't believe that government should wait for citizens to come to it. I think government should go to people. And if you're the chief accountability officer, it's incumbent upon you to make sure government's accountable to the people by going on shows exactly like yours. I actually reference yours when I'm giving my stump speech and say, these are the shows I will be on talking to you about government. And I will do this with immigrant communities, with um, communities of color um, and, uh, and around the state so that people are informed about their government. We appreciate that, and I'm actually glad you mentioned, because I had uh, Senator Zaglio on last week, and I asked her about the issues surrounding debates, 
and she had you know talked about candidate equity how there's really five candidates running not uh not two um i pushed back on that a little bit but she said she'd have a debate with if we could fit five people in the studio here you've been here doesn't we can't do it um but now you've agreed to a debate with john keller uh i've seen um on the 16th sunday at 8 30 uh if we were to have if we were to make an offer for a debate under similar parameters, would you be open to it? Yes. Without any, uh, I don't have to stop and think about it. Yes. And, <laughs> listen, I, I have to say with, um, with all due respect to, to Diana, and I mean this respectfully, that's a dodge. This idea of having we agree. All five people involved. <laughs> yes. listen to, I know that some of the other five have no intention or desire to debate. It was a dodge. Let's face it. And, we're going to debate on, uh, uh, with John Keller, but it's 25 minutes with a commercial break. It'll be edited down to 10 minutes. It's barely, you know, um, barely enough time to, to, you know, put your jacket on and fix your tie. So, um, I would, I would absolutely, sir, and we've, we've, um, offered that. We have said we would like to also have debates in different regions around the state. And mm-hmm. we talked about your radio station, um, with that thought in mind. And so I absolutely would come on with Diana on your station. We'll, we'll see if we can be in yeah, touch. Yeah, let's see if right. we can put it together. Anthony Amori, candidate uh, for state auditor. Um, before we let you go, we appreciate you coming on. Before we let you go, is there anything uh, you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I just think that uh, your audience should remember uh, when they were in school, elementary school, and when they learned about government, they learned about checks and balances. And I'm their opportunity to have true checks and balances on Beacon Hill. We are looking at a one-party state. It's staring us right in the eye. It's coming. Unless your listeners vote for me so they can have some constructive friction on Beacon Hill to have a true watchdog working for them, free of ideology, an independent watchdog. I can do that for them. I hope I can get their vote. Uh, candidate for hey, thank Mo- you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you very much, candidate for Maury, uh, uh, candidate for auditor Anthony Amori. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you, guys. Great to hear from you. Have a great day. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris and Marcus here on uh, 1420 WBSM. WBSM. <laughs> yeah. Brazil, too, right? And Colombia, all over the place down there. Yeah. <laughs> Chile. <laughs> Chile, yep. So, um, welcome back to South Coast tonight. Uh, I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. We've we've had uh, two um, kick-ass guests right, right right in a row. So, we'll spend the entire rest of the show patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> By the way, we figured out the phone issue. So, if you wanna if you wanna call in, you're able to at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. So that's been worked out, and uh, we're looking forward to talking with you. We've got. Uh, got a lot to talk about so marcus let's let's um let's talk about friday's show a little bit <laughs> okay <laughs> so we had an exceptionally funny caller yeah so we yeah so we did it was a funny caller so we had this conversation that unexpectedly veered into um all of the wish casting that we're doing for the election season basically right and our, our ideal scenario not that we want to see him go but just for our 
our selfishness, our job, right. we would like to see this happen, which is uh, John Mitchell getting tapped by Healy administration, right? Right. And then that open seat leaves a special election uh, for mayor. First, the city council vote to see who becomes mayor. Right. Then a special election for mayor. And then a special election for maybe a city councilor that vacates their seat. Or a special election <laughs> for a state rep if, if Cabral or Hendricks run for mayor. So we were, we were going over all those scenarios. You see scenarios. how interesting it gets, folks. You yeah. see how well, you see why we're not wishing John to leave. But, boy, we'd really, we'd really improve our show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get Governor Healy on at some point before the election and we'll, I'll ask her to do it just right. just for our yeah. just for our rating. I already have the columns written. <laughs> I've got mayoral power rankings. I've got um I've got mayoral power rankings. I got state rep power rankings too. I've got I already got those columns written, so just uh please. <laughs> just just for the Fingers content. Fingers crossed. Just for the content. Yeah, just for the content. Anyway, so what what did you you, you brought it up. Well, so we were talking about it. Um it was the guy was funny. Yeah. Um, the guy was funny. Now, look, he he basically said Ian Aber doesn't take a position, I think. And of course, you and I, I think, corrected that by saying, no, he works hard on constituent service. He does, does. things like that. Sure. He's just guarded. He's smart. Why get yourself involved in big philosophical questions if you don't have to? Um, in fact, I think there's a lot of people in that city council oh boy. that are glad that he keeps them out of those troubles. Yeah. Right? Right. And because I'll give you an example. It doesn't matter what the city council's opinion on opinion on human rights in East Timor is, okay? <laughs> yeah. And the meetings are real long when they get involved in those questions, yeah, okay? Right. Even questions which you might think like abortion, okay? The city council has no say I mean, over East, that. Uh, human rights in East, it's a Portuguese-speaking country. You might have a cultural connection you, you to might, East Timor. <laughs> right. But what it all does, it makes the meetings last for yeah. hours, right? And you have you have department heads who are sitting there to get things done, and you and it just goes on and on. Right. And I know that in the towns, most boards of selectmen try to avoid those questions. I know we did when I was on the board of selectmen in Freetown. If you can avoid that stuff, because you've got real important things, right? But some of the callers like that stuff. Yeah. 508-996-0500. We've got a few calls on the line. Let's get to them. Good evening. You're live. So do you think uh, uh, Liz Cheney is going to get her justice uh, revenge? She doesn't <laughs> deserve that. it. Um, yeah. For what? What happened to her? For what? No, I mean for what the Republican Party did to her. The voters her. of Wyoming did it to her. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we both know where, where the impetus came from. And do you think she'll be on stage with Biden and Trump Yeah. Uh, well, at the end? And will she take enough votes away from Trump for the Republican Party now to consider whether they want him as a nominee? So so here's so here's where I'm at with this. I, I envision um, I've already told everybody why I think Liz Cheney's a terrible person. It deserves nothing. Right. Um, but. Uh, I envision Liz Cheney being the keynote speaker at the next Democratic convention. I'm, of and I'm, I'm not. I mean, we had John Kasich last time, right? So Liz Cheney is a shoe in for being a keynote speaker at the Democratic convention. Uh, yeah, I think so. In terms of her running for president uh, for Biden or anything like that, I, I think she's. Uh, I think for in the Democratic side, her a position on um, on Roe on would, everything. Would, yeah, on everything, but Roe in particular that right. would be enough of a wedge issue for her to to not. To not be successful, I, I think the I think the uh, the the the, uh, the Gabe movement, um, and I mean this all, with all respect, has has achieved incredible power 
and significance, particularly within the Democrat Party. I don't think they're going to step aside for Liz Cheney. I really don't. Um, well, I, I, I think I, they I might think hate the Trump, but they don't hate him that much. Well, that, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the the, the regular uh, Republican conservatives uh, would give her enough votes uh, to take away those don't uh, exist from Trump. I Just think don't exist. I I I I got to tell you something. I let's let's watch what plays out in Mar-a-Lago, not the New York lawsuits, but what plays out with the, with the, with the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago before you even think about Trump as a serious nominee for the Republican Party, really. Um, right. I, I, I think that given what I've seen so far, the damage he did to himself, not to right. anybody else, what right. he's done to himself. That might embolden him in a, in a Republican primary. But, it, but I think... That most people are going to walk away, but a republic, yeah, but a Republican primary. It's like deal. It's the no, same no, thing. No, Might not no, play no, in a general, but in a, in a in a Republican primary. I mean, you're just dealing with the Republicans. It's, but I, yeah, I, I, think, I think the I think difference is him. you'll have a serious slate of candidates running against him, and they'll start early enough. Yeah, uh, I unlike think, the deal situation. Yeah, I think, and uh, I, I have to remember the parole situation with with Bush and uh, Clinton. And I, I think during that election, he got fourteen percent of the vote. Uh, yeah, but and, exit polls show that 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 vote between Perot and Clinton was was pretty much like I mean the the people who voted Perot. I think the exit polls showed it showed almost an even split between Bush and, and Clinton. I mean Bush, uh, there was a at the time a um, I think I mean he was at the time seen as a shoo-in for re-election. And the uh, the economy did an oopsie basically, um, which is never good in an election year. And I think with Liz Cheney, her problem is going to be that not so much as she went against Trump, but that she's really gone against other members of the party in the House side who have deep uh, uh, amounts of support throughout the country. I just think that her time has come and gone. um, And there's no question about that. It's that the spoiler role is he's not running to win. She's just making sure that Trump don't win. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that if you come from Liz Cheney's um, pedigree, you run to win. You don't run to. In other words, she's not going to dedicate her life to hamstringing someone else's life if it doesn't benefit her. Yeah. Plus, I think um, so. The here's the thing: the battle for uh, everybody talks about Rust Belt. That's all BS. The battle for independent voters is in the suburbs, right? Those yes. suburban voters. They want, they really, I think what they want is a more fiscally, and I don't agree with this, but they want a more fiscally conservative person, but like with their shoes on. So I think that she'd be more likely to split the Biden vote than split the Trump vote. Wow. Wow. Oh, okay. And the last thing is um, the gentleman you just had on, Mr. Moy. Yeah. You know, I think his position uh, is excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's probably uh, a person I'm going to vote for. And one of the reasons why I think he has a better chance is because there is no more uh, person that people sometimes lean to when they don't want a complete Democratic state like Baker. Right. And uh, so he's in a good position. I, I, I like his background. Uh, uh, very well spoken. Uh, seems to be steady. Uh, isn't a kook or anything like that. And, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm sitting there going, I could vote for that guy. Right. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you, Tom. I think he's a, I think he's a very nice guy. We've had him in here before. I'm sad with him. He's very easy to work with, right? I mean, when we're booking, um, and he's he's a gentleman. 
He, he is, yeah. and he's got a skill set that we need. Yeah. Do you think somebody would come out of the woodwork uh, to run from there, uh, similar to how sure. Mitchell did? You know, Lang, Mitchell, yeah. and, and uh, uh, Bullard. So, so, Tom, that is the big question. Marks and I talk about it all the time off the air. Is there a John Mitchell who's not John Mitchell? A Scott Lang who's not Scott Lang, right? Someone who's there that we never heard of. And i got to assume there is. Yeah, they, the, the powers that be are probably grooming them right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I just got back from that. You know, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, Tom, because you're a good barometer. Do you think the city is looking for that? Wow. I, I think the city's hoping that Mitchell stays. I think uh, in the event that he goes, there isn't going to be any hard feelings. Uh, I think he's earned uh, and has the background for uh, that type of uh, uh, nod from the governor. I would agree. Uh, and uh, locally, I think people have been waiting uh, for someone uh, that's bright enough out of the council uh, to step forward uh, that they can feel comfortable with. And uh, I don't know uh, if that's the case right now. Uh, so uh, you, you can have you can have you can have. Well, that's my opinion. No, 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 please. No. I appreciate your honesty. I do. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea is you know the administrative prominence that one must have uh, as a man. I don't mean that to, to disparage the council. Yeah, you they're, did. Good, they're, they're good. Legisla- <laughs> they're good legislators. You know, it's a two. Di- that's two different things being a legislator or an administrator. It, it um, very much is, yes. That's true. And, and, and so those councilors that do have administrative experience, that will be uh, touted if they run for mayor. And is that enough, is what I'm saying. Um, the, the folks that we mentioned before um, had different types of administrative experience, different types of educational background, uh, and seem to be very, very familiar uh, with, with process from an administrative point of view. Correct. You, uh, I don't know if we have, uh, well, maybe, uh, uh, maybe one or two in the council could, could sort of fit that, that role. But, uh, I, I think it's prime for somebody from the outside. But th- this time around, if it happens that way, they better start getting out there early because even if you come from the outside, you struggle, uh, to get that name recognition that's right. necessary to, to win the job, you know? No, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, first of all, it's a thankless job yeah. and in a lot of respects. And no one remembers you for the problems you solved. Um, you know, Scott Lang escaped with his reputation intact, and he's very lucky. Not to say he did anything wrong. I'm just saying most people don't. They don't. And, um, and so there's a lot of people, I think, who could do the job that I don't know. And I know that sounds weird, but, but um, I don't know that they'd want it. Right. I don't know, Tom, if they'd want it. Hey, Tom, That's thanks for the, the thing. thanks yeah, for the okay. call. We appreciate it. Have a good one. 508-996-0500. Let's take one more call, then we got to go to the break. Good evening. You're live. Oh, you got me again. What's up, fellas? You tell me, brother. Uh, well, I found out about my uh, apartment today. Apparently, somebody did buy it, but he knows the uh, property manager. I guess they're going to keep the same property manager. Oh, good. Good. And then, but then I'm hearing rumors from the neighbors saying the house foreclosed. So I don't know. But the property manager told me that the house is in the process of being sold, and that he's still going to run the show. And uh, so great, to wait and see. Great news. So, that, that's good uh, news. Yeah, for now. But the rent's going to go up eventually. Yes. He's, 
but I don't know what to say about it. I, I, I really don't want to talk about it. I'm sick of the train. I'm sick of the rents going out. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm tired of Donald Trump. Um, tired of Liz Cheney. Um, <laughs> let's think of something nice to talk about. Let's see. Um, something positive that happened today. I got good news. Oh, what's that? I went to my new foot doctor. He's a very nice guy, Dr. Crow here in Fairhaven. Super nice guy. Really. I mean, a very nice guy. And he gave me good news. And so it's good news. Oh, that's good. Because he could have given me horrible news. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I got good news today from my doctor. I met a nice doctor and I got good news. That's good. See? Say he's on a That's bad. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. All I can think of that happening today was getting that news, and I'm just going to have to go by what the property manager said. I agree with you. Uh, don't fret over it. Yeah. Because it will drive me bananas, especially with some of my uh, medical conditions. I think you've said you're in the program, right? Yes. Control I'm what you also, can control. That's all you can I'm do. Also, control what I'm you can also, control. I'm disclosing to I'm also bipolar disorder with right. anxiety, so I'll go through the roof. So you really got to control what you can control. You can't yes. let your mind wander. You can't. This is why I wasn't in the military. This is why I can't <laughs> own a gun because I, anybody that's diagnosed with a mental illness, even if it's a little mental illness in Massachusetts, cannot own a gun. Well... It's uh, listen. It's a lot of responsibility. Anyway, don't worry about it. You're not missing on anything. Oh, I know about guns. Yeah. It's just I can't shoot them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, man, I got to take this break. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. All right, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We're gonna take a break, and we'll be right back. Download the double. Hey, so Marcus. Yeah, we were talking about last Friday, and our phone call from our yeah. very humorous caller, and. um We'll take you more calls at 508-996-0500. The, mech, the metrics show that that was a popular phone call, by the way. The metrics yeah. show, very popular. Uh, and it was um, kind of a parlor game yeah, for the people at home. So, for those of you who don't realize this, every call is recorded, every show is recorded. We upload them to the internet. Yeah, so it's available wherever, everywhere where podcasts are offered, and uh, and if you have trouble, difficulty, I've, this has happened to me before. If you have difficulty looking for a particular episode, every single episode is on our website. You go to the podcast feature, you go to South Coast Tonight, or you go to the on demand feature, and you go to South Coast Tonight. You will find our podcast every single hour that we've recorded of this of this show, except for actually one day. There was one day, and I got to tell you. I hated the show anyway. I didn't feel like I had a strong performance. Right. And something about the power outage had knocked it off the servers or something. Right. Sometimes God works in, in the dustbin of history. Even for atheists, <laughs> God works in mysterious ways, Marcus. Right? So, so uh, every episode, every hour except for three um, banished hours uh, are are uh, are up on our up on our website. And yeah, that was. Um, I, that was an it was an interesting call, and the reason why we're talking so much about a call is because it's the first public thing that I've heard people say negatively about Ian uh, Abreu. I think it. I think it's it's very true because uh, he's Marcus. very obviously very popular. He wins the he wins the um uh he wins the the citywide vote every year. Right, you know? top vote getter in the at large race. Yeah, in, in a very competitive field. Um, I do think so. So a parlor game began, right? Marcus and I were involved. Other people were involved mm -hmm. in listening to the podcast. Who was the caller? Who was the caller? Now, there's been 
And I would never give the name out here on the air. I never would, because I'm not sure I know. No, I don't know if I know either. Um, but we know a lot of. But we know that it drew significant interest. Yeah, and and I I wonder if you know are there candidates that are positioning themselves for a 2023 mayoral run? Right. Right. Are are there are there candidates that are are saying well who are the guys that I'm not saying the caller was but I'm wondering right. like are there guys that we need to start you know running the um you know the 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 field tested stuff on out right. on now right so we're always looking to add new dimensions to the program mm-hmm. we're always looking to advance so if the people calendar. want to call it and say stuff like that we're encouraging yes you to. yes absolutely yeah. well if you think about it marcus yeah. and i and, and, and ian's our friend but but we have but actually they're all our friends you, you you know everybody can call in and talk bad about an elected official but we have one loyalty and that's to the audience we yeah. have one loyalty that's to the show when marcus and i made our so-called management agreement i guess would be the way to look at it right mm-hmm. we said we it's all loyal to the show. Yeah. That's all that matters. Right. right. It's loyal to the audience, loyalty to the show. If it's good radio, we're going to do it. Of course. Okay. Sometimes you're not sure if it's going to be good radio. We roll the dice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're here. We're live without a net. We assume that everybody's got a big ego and a strong ego. And if someone calls up <clears throat> and says something a little rough, unless it's not, unless it's wrong out of line or, or yeah. slanderous um everybody can handle it yeah, you know we'll dump you if you say something ridiculous we're not gonna we're not gonna have, let you do that but where's the line yeah <laughs> who knows <laughs> you say it about if you say it about the, me i don't care the, the line is where we draw it right right so um yeah i'm gonna i mean we're and we're gonna have uh mayor mitchell's gonna come in sometime soon uh probably next week but we're 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 going to, in the interim, while these, because most of these statewide elections are foregone conclusions. Listen, I, listen, I'm here to represent the conservative side, Nike. There's nothing to represent. Yeah. I mean, I was very proud to have Anthony Amore on, uh, which I almost consider a nonpartisan race right now. I, I think um, I think so. Um, but I... It's hard to make that office Well, Well, partisan. obviously, the Republicans do. Yeah, right. Because they kicked Anthony Mori off their website. Yeah. I mean, the... Can you imagine that? Yeah, folks? I know. Is there a bigger clown in, in Massachusetts politics than than, uh, than than Jim Lyons? I mean, he was... Now he's distanced himself, finally, from Rayla Campbell, but he was campaigning with Rayla Campbell for a while, who is a nightmare of a human being, who came down here, uh, fought a, a couple of teenage girls, and then said she was intact, attacked by Antifa. You know, who who went on stage in a Republican uh, the Republican convention and said that teachers are fo- forcing kids to perform fellatio on each other. You know, that's, she's that's outrageous, and that's the person that's on the statewide ballot to run against Bill Galvin. She should not have been allowed on the ballot. No, she shouldn't be allowed on any ballot. Right? I mean, I mean, folks, the um, I wrote about her years ago, years ago, yeah. because as I said in my column, and I said here on the radio. Um, she doesn't belong in the Republican Party. She's not in my Republican Party. Um, quite frankly, she's terrible. She's trash. I wouldn't want her in the Democrat Party, but I certainly don't want her in my party. Right? Yeah. And uh, and the rest of the, I mean, you know, we've already talked ad nauseum about how much of a how much of a, a loser, a loser um, Jeff Deal is. Right. Really, and I don't just mean politically. Um, <laughs> but you, you look at a nice guy like Evan Genro, right? Who's making a good. Good run for the yeah. for the House of Representatives. Nice kid, 
knows his issues, knows policy. He's working at it. Why should he be forced to share the ticket with Ray LeCampbell? You look at Tom Hodgins, whether you like him or not, is an established guy, 25 years in the business. Why should he be on the ballot with, with a Ray LeCampbell? I mean, it just, it's just, it, it's sickening. So at the end of this election in January, there'll have to be a reckoning. Maybe. There will have to be. I hope not. Within the Republican Party. <laughs> you know what, Marcus? I know you say that, but... No, no, no. Uh, look, look, actually, but really, there should be. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Biden's... And, well, what's going to happen, but, Marcus, is we're all going to join the Democrats. Biden, yeah, that's see, that's the thing. I know. So that's the thing. Uh, Biden says, uh, and th- that's really what a lot of Democrats are looking... That's what national Democrats are really looking for. They're looking for more fiscal concern. Like, the national leaders of the party are really looking for John Kasich's and... Um, what's her face? Do you uh, think Liz Paul Cheney's. Walsh Jr. was really a Democrat when his father was the lead Republican? No. He just yeah. knew that was how to become the district attorney. Yeah, exactly. And so they're looking for really what the National Democratic Party is looking for it, economically, at the very least, is, is something that's more in the mold of uh, of uh, really a Charlie Baker, but even maybe even more to the right of him, honestly. Yes. I, oh, yeah. I think more to the right of 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 uh, of Charlie Baker and I mean as far as what Biden says like oh we need a strong you know Republican Party I don't agree like I don't agree with that at all I, I uh, Mitch McConnell would never say that neither would Donald Trump or any really any Republican candidate for president would never say we need a strong Democratic party well but, uh, let me say this Marcus though you need a competent competitive party in America uh, yeah and oh we got to take this break okay. we'll be right back. 